Welcome to Purpose Inc., the podcast where we discuss corporate purpose and stakeholder capitalism. I'm your host, Michael Young. Earlier this season, I did a episode on the circular economy and re-commerce with Tom Zaki of TerraCycle, where we focused on consumer packaged goods. And circular economy is a big topic that I've wanted to return to for some time. And in particular, fashion and retail. Um, it's an area that is growing, it's booming. Uh, to say the least, fashion and retail have been dramatically transformed by COVID. And the e-commerce trend was going on. COVID just pulled a lot of things forward with retail and, and the fashion industry largely being shut down globally. And, and brands have pivoted to new channels to reach consumers uh, through e-commerce. But one of the things that has accelerated is the attention that brands are now placing on reducing waste and creating more sustainable processes. Those have been on the radar but they're really top of mind now for fashion and retail executives. And my guest today is uniquely positioned to talk about this topic. Um, Gary Kupi is the CEO and founder of Monochain based in London. Monochain is a blockchain platform that empowers brands and retailers to build their own re-commerce platform and engage in circular economy-driven practices. Gary is a Serial entrepreneur, he's built a couple of startups, uh, Juke and Social DNA, uh, which he sold to Levi's. He's the co-author of a book on commercializing blockchain. Uh, and today, Gary and I talk about why sustainability is such a hot topic in retail and fashion right now, especially in the age of COVID and how brands are responding to the glow, the growing trend of re-commerce. Uh, Gary lays out the case for re-commerce and why it's so key to transforming fashion and retail uh, broadly. And in particular, how technology can help brands uh, deal with authenticity, with counterfeiting, uh, uh, with reducing pr excess production, but also with finding new revenue streams and new sources of consumers, especially Gen Z consumers. And, and Gary's got a really finely tuned sense of Gen Z's role in how they think about fashion from owning, renting, buying, selling, reselling uh, clothing and, and, and products. And so we talk about how Monochain helps companies do that. We get into distributed ledger technology for a little bit. It's not a super technical conversation, but a really broad-based and fascinating and eye-opening conversation about how fashion and retail are being revolutionized uh, through blockchain and e-commerce and re-commerce. So without further ado, my conversation with Gary Kupi, the CEO of Monochain. Gary, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for the invitation, Michael. All right. So clothing, accessories, fashion brands are taking and have taken a lot of heat for their environmental impact. So give us your take on what's, what drives that, 
how brands are responding, and then maybe a related follow-on question, is fas- fast fashion dead? Thanks uh, for the question. It's a very good question. As you might be aware, uh, fashion industry is uh, one of the worst, uh, world's largest polluters. They, in some uh, some sources, they study as the second largest uh, polluter. Uh, uh, what and this is not new news. This has been happening for a while. But what's happening right now it is that consumers are becoming more like uh, environmentally aware. And uh, they are seeing the whole climate change movement. It, it, it is there. And consumers, uh, what's happening is a big trend right now that uh, they are auditing like a brand social responsibility and how the brand is reacting to, to the environment. And they see it, a huge percentage of consumers, they see it as a brand responsibility to, to be more ethical and also to produce their items in a more sustainable manner. What you've seen in fashion in particular in the last few years, it's been like a massive growth of uh, sustainably driven companies like Allbirds uh, like, uh, and a few others. Uh, and brands, the big brands are, are seeing this and they're seeing this major shift on consumer behavior is already happening. Um, in few countries, like in France, this is led by new legislation as well. I don't know if you're not if you're aware, but uh, starting uh, next year, uh, there is a new law coming to power in France, which forces brands to have uh, a circular economy approach in fashion, meaning that uh, they cannot burn items anymore, but also when they produce an item, they have to start with thinking how we can repurpose this item at the end of life, which might mean uh, recycling, upcycling, and so on. Got it. And before we get into the case for re-commerce, can you just talk a little bit more about the the generational move in behavior change and what and and what's driving awareness and and motivation? I've heard you talk about Gen Z's different different relation to their closet and their wardrobe. So bring us into that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we're seeing this movement is driven mainly by Gen Z, but also millennials are a big participator in this. And it is driven because it's a change in the mindset, whereas Gen Z and millennials, uh, they prefer access rather than ownership of items. But also they, they, they are driven by, by two big trends because uh, they, they live their life uh, in social media. They live their life in uh, Instagram, TikTok, and they have a big like need to be seen like wearing kind of new outfits. But also they are driven by uh, like sustainable behavior. So it seems co- it seems cool for for Gen Z to to buy secondhand items, which is a very different mindset from uh, boomers or her older generations. Um, what we're seeing like nowadays, and uh, this is some data from Boston Consulting Group, that 54% of Gen Z and 48% of millennials have participated already in the resale market. And what is 
more interesting for me, it is that when they buy, it's a very different customer journey. So when they buy an item, Gen 57% of Gen Z, they already consider the value of that item on the resale market. Whereas 50% of millennials do the same. So they're ready when they buy an item. They're thinking, I'm going to wear this item once or twice. And after that, I, I'll uh, sell this item. And uh, they use some of this cash to, to finance new purchases. But uh, also, it's, it's, more, it's a better behavior rather than throwing away a piece of clothing after a while. Just to give you an idea, McKinsey ran the numbers a few years ago, and currently, in a year, $460 billion worth of clothes get thrown away. And these are clothes that can be used. And one of the main reasons people throw it away is that they don't understand their value, which this trend is uh, seen as um, not cool by, 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 by Gen Z. So they rather like sell an item or donate it, then throw it away. So, uh, and what's happening on the other side is brands are and retailers are taking notice of this, and they they are reacting to the new consumer mindset, and they, they are they, they're trying to get more of them to to become their clients. So they are changing how they do retail as well. Great. So let's get into the case for re-commerce and just lay it out there in terms of the players, who the where the incentives are. Um, you know, talk about yeah authentic uh, authenticity. I mm-hmm. think is a big issue, um, and the role that brands play in consumer mm-hmm. and the role of consumers there. Yeah. Uh, so in the, in the last. 10 years, we have seen this uh, many resale uh, marketplaces have emerged. And some of them, they're already valued over a billion dollars. They're at unicorn level. Uh, companies like RealReal, StockX. Um, so we, we are seeing like many marketplaces like growing r- very fast. What is actually interesting, Michael, is that during the lockdown period, uh, where like all retail, like from uh, we're talking even e-com was not growing massively, is the resale has had a massive growth. Um, companies like Depop in Europe, uh, Real, uh, Vestier, uh, Stockax had a massive growth during this period. Um, so uh, on the other side is like we are seeing brands. Uh, being started and retailers starting to to emerge some interest. More particularly, we noticed the huge shift happened in 2019 uh, in uh, companies like Farfetch, uh, Gallery Lafayette, uh, Nordstrom, um, even Burberry started to participate on the resale market. And they did it in many forms, but one of the key forms is to open their white label uh, solution. Um, the reasons that they, they do it is that for starters, it's a revenue boost, uh, but also it helps them to become more sustainable. Uh, so currently, one out of six items goes through resale. Even if you just increase that to two out of six, can have like a massive impact in the fashion environmental uh, impact. Um, but also one of the reasons that some luxury players 
has shown interest in the, this new market is that uh, it helps them to recruit new consumers. Um, just taking myself as as uh, as an example, I my first uh, Louis Vuitton item that I bought, I bought it on the resale market. I bought it from Veste Collective, and then uh, like uh, three and a half years later, I bought my first Louis Vuitton item into Louis Vuitton store. So for them, it is a way to know where consumers enter their world, and might make it easier for them to convert them from second-hand consumer once the disposable income of that consumer increases to a primary market consumer. But also the key it is that uh, monitoring and uh, mitigating the brand reputation risk, which goes to the authentication issue that, that you mentioned. And we've seen companies like uh, Chanel or Dior back in the days suing resale marketplaces. And often authenticity and counterfeit still remain a big problem for, for the resale market. So we were seeing kind of uh, for brands, for luxury brands in particular, to, to be ready to join this market, the any solution given has to have an element of verifying the authenticity of the item, which makes it much more important. And so you mentioned a, <clears throat> a number of motivations there, reduced production, reduced environmental impact, ability to access new consumers, track authenticity. Mm -hmm. Give us a quick snapshot of <clears throat> what Monochain is doing in this space. And also, just having spent a, <clears throat> a fair amount of time myself in blockchain and DLT, mm -hmm. why, why blockchain and DLT, a distributed ledger technology, to solve the yeah. problem. Yeah. Um, so Monochain, uh, we are a blockchain platform. We make it very easy for fashion brands and retailers to start their own white label uh, resale solution. Uh, and the, the way the, the journey starts, it is we make sure that the item is authenticated and you connect that to the blockchain certificate. Um, and we do that in different manners, but we believe just, uh, we believe that authenticity is a very it has a very important role, uh, and uh, blockchain or and DLT in general can help to 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 make it uh, to to increase the confidence of the consumer that what they are buying it is authentic. But also from a brand perspective, it's, uh, it's the defensive play. So that they that way they reduce the available counterfeits uh, are already in the market, and uh, essentially can help with uh, like reducing the reputational damage they can have from counterfeits as well. One other key element uh, of Monochain it is the ability to value an item on the secondary market. So from a consumer perspective, if you have a Monochain wallet, you'll know how much your items are worth right now in real time. As consumers, we buy a lot of things, uh, and but we don't know how much it is the worth of the things we have. And if we don't know how much is their worth, it makes it more likely for us to, to dismiss them and, and throw them away. So by increasing transparency and price transparency, how much your items are worth, we make it easier for, and also we can show to the consumers 
where is the best place to sell these items. We make it much easier for them to 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 behave uh, in a way that also benefits them, but also the the environment. Got it. <clears throat> and just go back to the fashion brands in particular. So end end of season merchandise mm-hmm. is a particularly big issue for luxury brands as is authenticity and so you're able to help those kinds of brands manage those issues correct through blockchain uh, uh, yes you mean uh, are we talking about overstock in particular yeah or? end of season overstock merchandise um that they don't want that kind of getting discounted dramatically right yes yes for sure so we have a solution which you call it uh, mc access which enables brands to see uh, how this type of items they do on the secondary market but more more importantly is that they can start uh, selling these items through archive sales uh, because they might have them they might have all very old collections which uh, consumers might be looking uh, to buy them, but they cannot find them anywhere. But brands might have them somewhere on, on their warehouses, so they can release the, these collections. Uh, and it is a very easy way for brands and retailers to do it. Essentially, it's, it takes uh, just uh, basically they just have to upload uh, an Excel spreadsheet, and uh, that's how the whole process starts. Got it. Gary, I'd love your thoughts on some of the impact of COVID. And obviously, retail is under extreme pressure right now. What are you seeing in terms of the e-commerce market relative to uh, COVID, post-COVID, et cetera? How, how do you think about that? What are you seeing? Yeah, it's a very, very good question. Uh during during the lockdown period, e-commerce resale in particular has been doing amazing well. Uh, from what we're seeing from different marketplaces, they are growing 2x, 3x of the anticipated speed they had. So, uh, but what drives this behavior is that uh, consumers now they had a lot of time to. to uh, on their homes and they are looking into the items and they're seeing things that they never wear and uh, they it makes sense for them to try to monetize these items uh, but what you're seeing is a general trend which already start happening in Hong Kong so Financial Times had an article about this that uh, when it comes to um, post-COVID-19 behaviors sometimes uh, China and Hong Kong can give us better insights what's going to happen in the West. Uh, and what you're seeing in uh, Hong Kong in particular, we've seen a massive offloading of items. So consumers that they are impacted by uh, reduced, uh, some, some of them, they lost their jobs. Some of them, they now they are paid less than before. Some of them were followed for a couple of months. So they, they need cash. And uh, one way they're trying to get cash is by offloading items they bought in the past, which which brings more supply in the secondary market and by uh, which, in other words, means that because of the extra supply, prices will go lower and uh, essentially items that were not affordable anymore for someone, now they might be affordable. 
So we are expecting that e-commerce to, to, to grow at a much faster pace that it's been growing so far. And it's already growing at 20x speed of uh, general retail. So we think that the e-commerce and resale in more particular will be growing at much faster pace. And it's a very big opportunity for, for brands as well to, to, to capture because the cons- this is how the consumers are behaving and uh, they need to be in line with uh, what consumer wants. Yeah, I think your point about meeting consumers where they are in their journey is hugely important um, for any business. But I think your your point about um, you know the 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 generational change that's taken place. Uh, and you left out the important Gen X generation when you said you went from Gen Z and millennial to boomer. Don't forget about us. Okay, we're <laughs> worse here in between, <laughs> looking at both sides. Um, so, um, but you know, I think that's a that's a very interesting um, c- conceptually. That's a very interesting move for the generational shift, and and then and then stack COVID on top of that. Right, so that people are going through their wardrobe, looking at it. What can I do with this? I'm not going to be wearing that. So the, then, the meta question to you is: What ultimate impact will this have on the fashion industry, on brands? Uh, you know, we've seen carbon emissions drop dramatically. Do you think this is the the moment in time for fashion to pivot to more sustainable? practices and policies how do you how do you think about that absolutely um i think during the last two three months from the conversations we had with brands like before and after the the lockdown is that they used this time to reevaluate everything um they're seeing kind of uh, the way things were before the old normal it's not a good reflection of what the normal or the new normal should be. And they already have started to, to kind of look into their supply chain, trying to, to increase digitalization as much as possible. But at the same time, it's, it's about different processes that they have done in the past. One of the worries was that because of all this uh, loss in revenue, at least for 2020, is that they might have made them believe that some long-term projects, which include sustainability-related projects, are not as important anymore because the focus is just to survive right now. What would have been a big surprise for us when we met with them and when we would be having Zoom calls recently is that uh, it has been um, the, the opposite effect. Now they're seeing sustainability is a key priority, mostly because they, they have realized that the future consumers, their big spenders, the future big spenders, pay much more attention to uh, sustainable credentials of a brand than the, 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 the old, older generations. So what we're seeing is that this can be a big opportunity uh, for companies to reinvent themselves around a more sustainably driven mission. Uh, and uh, 
carbon emissions during the lockdown has, have dropped massively, which has been great for 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 uh, for the world, for the environment. Um, and uh, we wanted to see kind of like that shift in behavior to have like a long-term impact rather than a temporary impact. And we, from the conversation we're having so far, Michael, we're noticing that it's been shift uh, in mindset during this period for the good. That's great. That's right. What we were talking about right before the, the podcast about let's not go back to the normal. Let's build it better. Uh, absolutely. I think now, now now is the time to, to reflect of anything that, because I, I think this lockdown period served as a pause in many activities and the executives had the time to, to look into the, their business and trying to figure out how we can, when, whenever this is over, how we can uh, uh, become stronger as a business. Fantastic. Gary, we're going to have to leave it there, but I want to thank you for coming on the podcast and talking with us about this important topic. And we'll keep a close eye on, on you and Monochain as a very exciting startup in this category. Thanks for the invitation. I really enjoyed it. The Purposing Podcast is a production of Actual Agency, helping innovators communicate in a changing world. More at www.actual.agency.com.